How much wood could Hollywood wood if Holly only could? Find out when we talk about Cool World. I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of 1,000 testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode? What's up? Let's rock indeed. Welcome to 1000 Wives of Weird, a podcast that is a celebration of weird film. I'm Brad Hefner, and unfortunately absent again is Billy Martell, but uh, I have a great guest with me today, someone I've wanted to get on the show for a while, and when I knew Billy was going to be out for a bit, I started thinking of people I wanted to talk to, and before I could even reach out to her, she messaged me and said, you guys ever cover any Bakshi? It's like, no, we haven't. So... (laughs) Thank you, Elise Rentelman, for coming on the show and bringing this <laughs> hot mess of a movie. Of course. It's uh, it's my pleasure. Um, this is a movie that's been on my heart for a while to revisit. <laughs> Just the kind of haunted the back of my brain for many years. I The first time I watched it, I, was, I had a... 102 or 103 degree fever and knowing nothing about it i was just like oh brad pitt that actor everybody (laughs) knows and animation i saw people like just a very quick google search made it seem like oh it's adjacent to roger rabbit there's hybrid animation live action stuff this will be interesting to watch when i'm sick and delirious and um i didn't realize what i what was in store because watching the movie on its own will kind of make you feel like you have a fever. So Absolutely. Watching it when you have a fever, I genuinely like, I'll, I'll bring up some of the specifics of like memories that triggered when I watched, the, when I watched the movie again, <laughs> I cannot um, wait to hear the fever dreams that cool world inspired. Yeah, it was, uh, it was quite the experience, but altogether, Definitely made more sense, you know, as much sense as this movie could make. It made more sense to me this time, for sure. Your brain wasn't being simmered by your body heat. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Very briefly, Cool World is about uh, an animated world that a couple humans get into, and... Oh boy, do they get into it. Oh man, they get into it so hard. Yeah, and then things happen. It's... It's. I didn't even think that it. I was not expecting it to be hard to describe because on paper it it's like really hard. So yeah, it's sort of a Roger Rabbit thing that mixes live action with animation, and the people interact, and yeah. But um, we're gonna walk you through this. Uh, like she said, a fever dream of a movie. But before we do, Elise, would you recommend Cool World? I would recommend it to a very specific type of person who was a very specific type of patients. I will say, just overall impressions, I came away from it really enjoying it, which kind of blew my mind. I think knowing, or I think going in with the expectation that it was going to be like kind of shoddily made, um, that there had been just so much studio interference. Like, reading up on it before watching it i was like oh it wasn't just me like this was a shit show of a movie yeah we'll get into it so expecting it to make totally like no sense at all 
I was surprised at how much I enjoyed watching it. <laughs> I would recommend it if you're in to just, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> I mean, I would definitely recommend it is, is the way to approach it. I think. Yeah, I agree. This is a weird, hot mess and I enjoyed it a lot more than I was expecting to. That last half hour is a bit of a slog. Like yeah. once uh, it, it drops off, but the Ralph Bakshi animation and even like his stills and stuff are gorgeous. I, 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 I sort of said this on the after last season episode. Like I'm not a big guy who's like, Oh yeah, you need to smoke some weed and watch this movie or you uh-huh. need to like, but like watch this movie and don't smoke weed, but like huff paint or like, get, <laughs> like get real drunk. And just like, there's so much stuff going across the screen at any one time that like, even if you're not paying attention to the movie, it's just like, I'm watching madness for like an hour of this movie. Mm-hmm. Put on, do some like oil diffusers, but maybe spray a little bit of like athlete's foot spray in there. Get it dusted up in the air. I think that'll get you in the mood for cool world. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's walk through this. Well, let's talk about the background a little bit. Ralph Bakshi is a name you might've heard big animator. His breakthrough thing was Fritz the Cat, an X-rayed animated movie based on the R. Crumb strip. He did Wizards, Lord of the Rings, Ice and Fire. <laughs> I've This is my first Bakshi as far as I know. Have you seen anything else? I've seen the Bakshi, Lord of the Rings. I did have somebody in college say, like, stumble across Wizards. We, we talked about watching it, but it, I don't think... We really ever committed, but I was aware of it. I watched, I watched clips of it. I think I was aware of Bakshi's reputation as kind, as kind of like an underground artist who didn't really end up breaking into the mainstream mm-hmm. like he wanted to. And uh, as a kid, I saw Lord of the Rings and thought it was like a normal movie for some reason. But that's really about it. Uh, yeah, this is. Like I said, my first. I have Wizards, just haven't watched it. And Bakshi was sort of like uh, late 60s, late 70s. But in the late 80s and 90s, Bakshi had a bit of a reemergence. And with the success of Roger Rabbit, that paved the way for Cool World. Bob Hoskins must be proud. This was originally supposed to be a live-action animated horror movie. The character that we will later know as Jack Deebs goes into the... Uh, comic world he created impregnates a cartoon woman they have a child and the child goes to seek revenge in the real world on his father which sounds like an amazing movie sounds fucking perfect <laughs> it is it's the perfect movie i think that's what orson that's what orson wells was trying to do with citizen kane mm-hmm. but the technology yeah. was not there so he made this dumb sled movie i i kind of love the idea of cool world having technology (laughs) (laughs) we'll get into the aesthetic in a bit but um so as with many movies especially movies where it's like oh there's some cool stuff here but it's not Mm -hmm. going the distance there was studio interference and Mm -hmm. Bakshi's idea was rewritten by two dudes who uh, wrote Poltergeist Uh which I don't know why but that's like so bizarre and funny to me. They wanted what they wanted. They wanted children to suffer. <laughs> is what they wanted. That's yeah, why that's... they got the Poltergeist guys. 
the kings of taking a script that should have been pitched only to adults and convincing parents and families that maybe they could watch it as a family and traumatizing yeah. children. Yes. Well, Kim Basinger was apparently also a part of this shift because <laughs> yes. she, at a meeting, she told Ralph Bakshi, like, I think it would be great if I could show this to children in hospitals. And Bakshi was just like, again, the man who made an X-rated animated film was like, oh no, <laughs> I, I'm in the wrong place. Um, which they still didn't create that movie. Like, you can't show this to a child in a hospital. It's still... Half of the movie is, like, she's trying to get fucked. Like, yeah. that's literally... Like, that's the most important plot point in the movie before the climax. Yes. Is that Hollywood is trying to get fucked so that they can cross a barrier between worlds. Like, yes. I don't... I can't... Like, that is the the form that the movie was in when she was commenting on it. So like the idea that you could present that to children, it's, that I, I mean, just don't understand. We, maybe Kim Basinger is more fucked than we think. Like maybe she just, <laughs> maybe, maybe. So let's get into this plot. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned before, I, I, I didn't know the backstory before I went in. So mm-hmm. I was like, Oh yeah. Cool world. Ralph Bakshi rated PG 13. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. And I was very taken aback. Uh huh. As was I by the very aggressive early 90s soundtrack, just right mm-hmm. out of the gate. And the fact that this starts out as a period piece. Yeah. It's 1945 in Las Vegas, and our fighting boys are coming home at McCarran Airfield, which I know because of New Vegas. <laughs> God salute them. And that includes, these fighting boys include. Brad Pitt, Hollywood heartthrob. Was he a heartthrob at this point? I feel like after, because this was after Thelma and Louise, so maybe he had like that cowboy vibe going on. But uh, mm. I don't know. I think he uh, looks- from what I read, the he was supposed to originally have um, Gabriel the, Burns the, part. The studio didn't want to bank on him yet because he wasn't like a list. Gotcha. He wasn't a Gabe Burn. It's just like funny. Yeah, it it's funny going back and being like, oh, he was the one they didn't want to bank on for the future. <laughs> you know, that um, guy who literally is like still starring in action movies. How do you feel about Brad Pitt? I I mean as a person, I don't want to comment on Okay. Yeah. I think he's a very enjoyable presence. He um, is. Having having just seen Bullet Train and being kind of underwhelmed by it, I at least enjoyed watching him have fun and enjoy yeah, himself. He, he seemed to be having a lot of fun. Uh, it's yeah. nice to watch millionaires have fun on screen. I mostly just loved, uh, oh, what's his name? The Black Gentleman. Um, Brian Tyree Henry? That's it. I love him in everything. So He's much fantastic. I can't remember his name. Joyfully reunites with his mother, Brad Pitt does. Mm -hmm. And back at home, Brad Pitt has changed into a pretty snazzy suit. Mm -hmm. And I was super glad he called her Ma because I was unsure of the relationship between these two. (laughs) And then I was less glad when he called her Ma because they have a weird chemistry. Mm. Did you feel it at all? Uh, I had seen the beginning of this movie before. So I... (laughs) 
<laughs> I think it had happened so long in the past that I was just like, oh, they're mother and son, and I wasn't thinking about it. But n- now that you say that, I I can definitely see it a little bit. He's definitely like, hey, babe, like, come get on my motorcycle, wrap your arms around my waist. Like, he's his, into it a little bit. His sexual charisma just can't be contained and just mm-hmm. like lashing out at everybody. But he pulls his mother away from the cooking and they don't turn off the stove or anything. Oof. And I can only imagine that the house is burning down as he shows her his brand new motorcycle. Here's a bizarre thing that my OCD did during this movie is as they're walking out, we see an American flag in the background. I rewound several times to make sure that flag had the right number of stars. And it did. Sometimes you got to check. They might've been slipping some uh, treason under your nose, you know? Exactly. That's what treason Uh, is. It is having (laughs) an, an an anachronistic flag in a movie. That's the only thing that treason was. Benedict Arnold, first person to do in America. Brad Pitt, who was called Frank, and his ma go for a ride on the shiny red motorcycle, and some drunk carousers are leaving the desert gambling casino, and they plow right into Frank and Ma. Just and this causes Frank to have a PTSD flashback where he thinks he's in the war, he's crawling through the sand. How did did this work for you? Because I kind of bought it. I think the whole opening of this movie is like genuinely very promising and fairly like for what it is compelling. I will say there is a moment where that I feel like I don't understand why they, they didn't like do another take where it's, he's having this flashback moment where he's like, there's mines over there. There's a gunner over there. And then he sees his mom and he's just like, huh, that's my mom. He's dead right there. And then he's like, oh, there's a good... And it, like, there's just this weird moment where it feels like he's not really acting. Like, he's just kind of acknowledging where he is and then, like, lapses back into it that I was a little confused by. Um, I didn't but, notice. But the, uh, maybe Bakshi's just, like, not used to directing people. He's just used to, like, <laughs> making cartoons fiddle-faddle around. We'll make him frown in post. <laughs> He rotoscopes a frown over his mouth. The cops arrive. Cut to a cartoon man who is using a thing called a spike to open a portal into our world. Mm-hmm. Also, Frank seemed to be doing pretty well before, but now he is convulsing and dying. Yeah. But he's eventually zapped into the cartoon world, <laughs> being confronted with two hulking doodle brutes. Uh, he shouts for his mother. And the little scientist cartoon man from before makes the portal bigger, tearing at the edges like paper. Mm-hmm. He is disturbed by Frank shouting and goes to investigate. Now, this character is named Doc Whiskers. Mm-hmm. And he is voiced by Maurice LaMarche, who is... Uh, he does a solid half of the voices in the movie. And he's done a ton of voices you heard. He was Brain on the Animaniacs. Oh, Egon, okay. Egon on Real Ghostbusters. And Calculon, Kiff, and Morbo in Futurama. Oh, shit. Yeah, he's he's legit. So, we're about like 10 minutes into this movie, mm-hmm. if that. And this is such a... Even though I knew it was going to be cartoons and people, this is so jarring mm-hmm. and sudden. Whiskers gets in between the goons. Uh, when Frank asks what they are, Vincent says, They're doodles! <laughs> And Brad Pitt says cartoons. Okay. 
first problem with this movie. <laughs> Why does Whiskers say their doodles and not weird doodles? Uh, I th- I'm not going to say his character is fleshed out or that it makes sense what he does in the movie at any point. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but he... The the one thing I think about him is that he's definitely a bit of an elitist, if not like some kind of Third Reich mad scientist of the cartoon world who imagines himself to be intellectually above, you know, his ilk. So I could totally believe him being like, they're doodles, I'm going to the real world and I'm going to be Vegas Vinny. <laughs> I, I'm a more human-looking doodle, so I, I'm superior. He was brought over under Operation Paper Cool. We got him from the <laughs> we got him from the Nazis. We learned that Whiskers Spike was supposed to send Vincent Whiskers to Frank's world, but instead brought Frank to Whiskers, and Whiskers' reality is called the Cool World. Mm-hmm. Everyone always says the Cool World, <laughs> the cool and, one of the two. <laughs> Yes. Um, But here's my question. You know, if it has to say it's cool, is it really that cool? (laughs) Seems seems like it's trying too hard. So Whiskers leads Frank away. There's a nice bit of uh, probably the only good interplay of live action animation, whereas Mm -hmm. as Frank walks, circular lights come on above him as Whiskers leads him away. Uh, Just some... Random thoughts. I'm glad someone animated Oxygen in the cool world for Brad Pitt, just in case. I missed this. Oh, you mean like just in the yeah, quality like, of the world there is oxygen. Yeah, that he can breathe. He can breathe. Gotcha. Also that this uh, 3D monstrosity can exist in a world of 2D things. Yeah, they certainly don't seem to be interacting with him like he's some eldritch horror beyond their understanding. No, I just kept thinking of Flatland. While I watched this, mm, uh, yeah. Edward Abbott's Flatland, which I'm sure was Bakshi's intention. Frank tells Whiskers he was a soldier, and Whiskers says he could be useful after Whiskers is gone. They want to install a military dictatorship over Cool World. But not really. They only seem no, to be they concerned don't. about enforcing one rule, but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, there is literally only one rule in Cool World. <laughs> and one cop, I think. There's poppers, but only There's... one cop. You're right. I, I I was confused by that too, but you're right. The poppers and the cops seem to be distinct. There's two nails. Mm-hmm. But, uh, right, jump, right, right. Jump to 1992, Las Vegas. <laughs> I just want to say the shot where um, Whiskers is like holding his hand, walking through the darkness with the circular lights, combined with this intense zoom in shot on the prison, I like think. This is like one of the coolest like little stretches of the movie where you're like, oh, there's something visually interesting going on here. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It kind of falls away a bit, but Yes. Although, like I said before, anytime especially backgrounds, I love Bakshi's art. That mm-hmm. was the main draw for me. And like you said, we're going to prison. And Boo, not set totally in the 40s, but yay, Gabriel Byrne. And I think <laughs> I think Gabriel Byrne is a terrific actor. He's, I, I noted this later. I made this joke before I looked up this bit of trivia. I called Gabriel Byrne the boring man's Willem Dafoe. <laughs> and apparently Willem Dafoe was the first choice for uh, Jack Deeps. Oh, shit. 
which I can see easily. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> fuck. So I, I, I can't just... fuck a cartoon. <laughs> I. Mm, Holly, no, that's Frank Sinatra Jr. You can't just go up there. Uh, I, there's too many possibilities. It honestly hurts to think about. I just want to move on. Sure. Uh, but Gabriel <laughs> Byrne was in Miller's Crossing, The Usual Suspects, and he's everyone's least favorite character in Hereditary. But uh, except for oh, me, shit. I thought... Yeah, he's the Yeah, guy. he's the dad. He's I the thought dad. he tried in Hereditary. I thought he did his best, but I'm in the minority yeah. there. Gabriel Byrne is in his prison cell drawing a picture of Hollywood in his cell at a whole-ass artist desk that they just yeah. gave him. And he credits this character to helping him get through prison. As he's drawing, he hears Holly's voice come saying, it's time to come to her. And hands reach out through the paper and try to grab Jack Deebs. The hands don't get him, but he's still electricity into Cool World. Does the, the rules of passage to and from Cool World are non-existent. No, especially it's it's very weird because it's it's our initial interaction with Cool World. There's a mad scientist. There's machinery. He's talking about how he's like setting this new precedent with able being able to open these portals, and then they're just like, no, we can. It's you can do it for any reason. Just but it's just right. think. Just think about it. Or did the creation of the spike? No, it still doesn't make sense. So he goes to Cool World, and we get our first exterior shot of Cool World, and mm. it is a frightening hellscape that is not so much cool as it is nightmarish. Really is, like, way more H.R. Giger-inspired than I remembered it. Like, yes. this is, this is like, an alien progenitor race hellscape. My favorite thing is all the buildings are, like, faces. It's so cool-looking. I love it. And, like, to me, this is cool, but... If you were to ask an average person on the street, like, hey, what's your idea of a cool world? It would not be <laughs> this hyper-violent wasteland mm -hmm. is just where death seemingly doesn't exist. Yeah, and it really makes a lot more sense when you know it was pitched to be like a hor an actual horrifying hellscape yeah. that would, you know, this hybrid creature growing up in it would come to loathe and want to escape yeah um that makes a lot more sense looking at it either way though it is just like really delicious in a horrific way it is it is it's great here's a missed opportunity for this movie all throughout i just kept thinking of 90s fmv adventure games mm -hmm. which the poor quality of this movie really conveys it feels mm -hmm. like a text murphy or something yeah. uh I would have killed for an FMV Cool World. That's what this should have been. It's it such, should have been it's such a missed opportunity. I mean, I I looked up the Cool World. I went through the Cool World like SNES game. There's um, an SNES Cool World game. Yeah, it's it's honestly awful. You play as sure. Bird's character, and it's pretty much just like you have a punch, and then you he. This isn't really an ability he gets until the end of the game, but you kind of have this arm that just extends upward to like pull you up buildings and stuff. I, it didn't look very fun to play. Well, you keep of course not. There's too many similarities to 
like the worst parts of Battletoads, where you're just suddenly in a vehicle that's careening through like mouths opening and closing, um, which is sides of buildings, which is true to a later part of this film. It is, it is, um, but looked. I'm not sure if the person I was watching was just really bad at the game or... Oh, so um, you didn't play it. You watched uh, a video. I watched it. I would have loved to have play it, played it. But um, yeah, honestly, an FMV game would have been perfect because it's so much about just like exploring backdrops and interacting with characters. That sort of low-quality graphical re- resolution would work perfectly with sort of the not great compositing we're going to see a lot of in this movie. Mm-hmm. But Deebs finds himself in a nightclub where everyone is in probably the most off-putting animation in the film. They're just sort of like jerking back and forth. These uh, <laughs> wolves in zoot suits. And yeah. uh, a Wooga wolves like with the eyes. That yes, exactly. They, like, took out that part of the animation. So they're just kind of like <laughs> lunging forward over and over again. But they're watching Holly dance Hollywood, who we were oh, yeah. introduced to and Hollywood. If only Holly could, we get this beautiful again, nightmarish still shot, non animated of a crowd. I can't even describe. It's just beautiful. I love it. And I also enjoy the animation of Holly dancing, even though it's just like a couple steps above like heavy metal, Mm -hmm. but it's still, I don't know. It looks pretty good. It is definitely the thing they put the most time into in the movie. Yes. Because it's not even like, Oh, we just have to make these dance sequences with Holly. Good. Like I'm pretty sure this is how, holly's like default way of traveling around the world is it is we see it later (laughs) she just has to go go dance around um (laughs) that's it's her only means of travel Uh, except for one time she does drive drive a car but um Mm, a car with some luscious hams yeah (laughs) we will get there um but no holly is very much a blonde bombshell. She's mm-hmm. uh, chesty, always in very sort of not like BDSM fetish, but like sort of just male gazy costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then none of that matters because Deebs goes back to his cell. We meet Sparks or Sparky, another person with a crush on Holly. He tosses some ugly children some wooden nickels with faces on them. The oh nickels. My- the nickels come alive and attack the kids and then return to sparks. This has nothing to do with anything. I just love the sequence. Yeah. It's, it's amazing and really makes you think it's going to be relevant later in the story. I, I just love that. Like Ralph back. She was like, yeah, the old wooden nickel gag. That's never going to go out of style. <laughs> the sentient wooden nickel gag. <laughs> oh my God. Dennis, the menace pulled it so many times. <laughs> Uh, Dennis imbued these nickels with <laughs> painful suffering existence. Oh, Dennis. Mr. Wilson just gets his uh, fingers chewed off by wooden nickels. Frank shows up at Holly's club where she's singing a Marilyn Monroe tune from the movie Let's Make Love. So apparently doodles can see things in the real world. Yeah, she never... does not explain how she saw it, but she does say that she saw it 
like in a way where it seems like it's contraband. Oh, she, okay. At least that was the impression I got. She's like, I did manage to see it, and he kind of he's kind of like, Ugh, you shouldn't be watching that live action shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's never explored more. We never no. The doodles seem to have some idea that another world exists because Whiskers, when Frank first comes over, is like, yes, we're real, we're real, we might not seem it, but we are. A big criticism of this film, and my biggest criticism, is that it makes no sense. Yeah, and not even in a fun way. It it tries to insist it has rules at points. We learn Holly's one motivation, to get everything she's ever wanted. And what that is currently unspecified yeah holly is the worst like and she's sort of designed to be the worst but not in the way i think back she wanted her to be the worst maybe she's an interesting character to interact with because like she is inherently like offensive as like the most important female character in this story aside from you know that Okay, I'm glad you remember her name, because I did not. (laughs) Uh, She, her entire purpose is, you know, to dance around as sexually as possible. A sexy cartoon like a Jessica Rabbit. Yeah, like, but I, some, it's so bad, though, that it honestly pushed beyond that discomfort for me, where I kind of was interested in like i started to feel her as a genuine character as someone who is just like so committed to getting what she wants that like this presentation of just being inherently sexual all the time was like it, it it was almost played like knowingly because like the amount of dancing the amount of dancing is so much it feels like you can hear her internally saying, like, God, I just need to get what I want so I can stop fucking dancing. <laughs> like, it just seems like she's very aware of the gaze, even if she is also partially created by it. Which, I don't know, like, she's horrible, but I, there was some part of me that was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking bring this guy into your world and fuck him like you deserve that shit you get ogled by like these horny wolves in zoot suits all day like that shit and her have a job or something which we will learn that jobs are a thing in cool world for Mm -hmm. whatever reason i was i was trying to see some like like you're saying, like it goes so far beyond it. When she does get what she wants, she just uses it to get more attention. That's true. That's true. Frank is there because of Deeb's little visit to Cool World. Now it seems like it seems like Frank is the only Noid, which is what they call humans. Mm-hmm. Never explained. Nope. So you think this would be a bigger deal, but I guess not. Although we're later going to learn that he's not the only Noid. Which is never explored. Yeah, it's a goddamn mess. <laughs> it really is. Holly takes Frank to her exposition shrine and tells him about <laughs> Vegas Vinny. Right. Who made the spike 
and crossed over to become a successful casino and hotel owner. Everyone's dream. So many aspects of this when we get to the end. I'm just going to talk about how much this doesn't make sense to me, but <laughs> I can't wait. Me, yes. I can. The legend of Vegas Vinny. <laughs> the 50, um, the 40 year old, 50 year old legend of Vegas Vinny. Maybe. And here's why I correct myself. Holly does have one motivation. That is to go to the real world. Mm-hmm. And I don't, like I said, a lot of things happen in the foreground of this movie that's random violence or visual noise or whatever by animated characters. I don't often note it because it's so constant. But here, we had a few seconds of a disembodied, white, translucent, snarling dog head floating across the screen. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Did you read up at all on why that was? No, I, I didn't see anything about that. Um, so apparently, in the act of trying to create the world in their animation studio at Paramount, Bakshi would just some days tell his animators that they had to fill space in the movie and fill the world with nonsense and would not tell them what? scenes that they were going to be animating over and would just say like animate something i don't care what it is we'll put it in the movie so it's really interesting especially with it being a lot of these things happening over these like brad pitt exposition dumps and then a little bit when gabriel burns is there it feels a little like almost tyler durden-esque to me (laughs) (laughs) having a conversation and then it's just like frame perfect just appears on screen and there's a bunch of people scrambling around and then it just disappears it's not even like they run off frame like the animation just frame for frame stops and you're like it it can't be like a diegetic part of the world unless it's being like projected on a screen and then that projection cuts off. It doesn't make any sense. Like these, I... the idea that there would be like so many caricatures of like men with axes chasing women, but at like nipple height on people while these scenes are happening, it doesn't make any sense. It's insane. It's at like, it's a fever dream. It's just like, it's a fever dream, and it's honestly, I love it. I love it. It may, and I've lo- now that I know why it happens, I love it even more. It's this weird, like William Burroughs shit. It, that's amazing. Holly comes on to Frank. Frank rebuffs her advances. Holly talks about how Noid dames can feel things and have power and can taste things. So, is there no sensation in Cool World? Then why do people drink? Or smoke, or try to fuck, try to fuck, or like do anything. I cannot answer that. Okay, I wish I could. Really, sorry to put you on the hot seat. Uh, we learned that Jack Deebs thinks he invented Cool World because he made a comic series called Cool World that features Holly, and we get some vague answers mm-hmm. and vague answer about this later. Still is just a thrown away part of the script, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Deebs gets out of prison, and like any comic nerd, goes straight to the well. He goes home, and then he goes to the comic shop. Mm-hmm. But as a comic nerd, I know that Deebs is getting a new Teen Titans, and I thought I saw a new Gods title. Anyway, 
Cool World is a huge deal, apparently. Like, everybody loves it. He published it from prison. It's one of the biggest comics in the world. We also find out that Jack Deebs murdered a man. Yeah. Who was sleeping with his wife. Not important. Not important to the rest. Important info dumps that seem like they will change characters' lives or the world are not extrapolated upon at all. No, this is just like... He didn't need to be in prison. Like, he, he didn't need to be a murder. Like, even though, like, the murderer thing could be like, oh, he has to redeem himself, but by making it, he killed the man who was sleeping with his wife. That makes him seem like... Like it's justified. Good exactly. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Timothy Oliphant. I-, I watched this movie with my girlfriend, which was very fun. I did, did not she enjoy it? We had a we had a good time. That's um, awesome. This was her favorite scene in the entire movie because Jack Deeves is getting his comic signed by people in the shop. There's a signed comic of his up in the shop for sale for a higher price. And then for some reason, at the end of this scene, when we've gotten the exposition, <laughs> when we've gotten the exposition that we need, he killed a man. That's why he was in prison, and he's looking longingly at Hollywood. This man looks at him and reaches this a comic book man. over his shoulder and he says, Who are you? <laughs> and he's like, uh, I'm Jack Deebs. And he signs it. And I genuinely, something about this man's performance stuck in our brains because it really felt like this guy wandered on set and genuinely was just like, I don't know why I'm in line and why people are signing these comic books. And I just, part of me really wished he was a bigger part of this narrative, but you know, I'm okay if that's not the case. No, I love this gentleman too. And it's so jarring. It was like, okay, that has to be some old comic guy. I don't recognize or some animator or some important cameo. No. No, it's just an extra, a featured extra. (laughs) God knows why it happened, but it's there and it's beautiful. It's, it's uh, very wabi-sabi finding beauty in the flaws. I think maybe, maybe in line with like the really convoluted characterization of him, you know, like killing somebody. So you're supposed to be like, oh, he's a dangerous person that needs to redeem himself. You know, like he also was justified supposed to feel good for him this feels this this scene is like full of this stuff where he's everybody's like you're so famous we all know you but then this character is like i have no idea who you are which is again two angles you can go with like the the stardom nature of a character is like they have to deal with you know the futility of not being known and like how much of their identity has been staked on that versus like i'm overwhelmed with fame and it's like why are these two themes that are kind of opposing in the same theme or in the same scene it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense it's not elaborated upon later it's like many things in this film pointless that's what we love to see though yeah no absolutely it's except in after last season that was too much i'm I'm still back at home. Jack is brooding and gets electricity back into cool world again. Somehow (laughs) seems like something Holly can just do. Yeah. I, I don't, I wish they would have had her, you know, like 
over a smoking cauldron or that like a mirror just anything to like give us like why does she have this power does she put in her like marilyn monroe vhs that like gives her the ability to transfer like you know lonely unstable men to her dimension i i just give us something 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 anything anything to flesh out this world that it seems you want to build. But he meets some of his characters, or what he thinks are his characters, and they just torment him, which again is a great concept. Like, I love that. It's like, hey, I created you. I'm your, I'm your master. And it's like, no, you're just some schmuck and we're gonna torture you. Yeah, part of it seems a little bit like, you know, I, I like the idea of a creator having to deal with the the like real embodied presence of their like fucked up caricatures that are yeah. like crazy. chaotic and violent. And this is, this is another scene. That's like, it feels like it's touching on something. It, it feels like th- there's something interesting happening in the scene. The movie's kind it of is. with those where you're like, <laughs> Oh, this is like about something. It's enough to keep you going for yeah. a while until those things stop coming. Also, it's not helped that, again, really need to underscore this, anytime a human interacts with a cartoon, looks like shit. Yeah, there's not any real detail that's paid to, like, shadowing. I mean, I part of researching this movie for me was also, like, I went back to look at the behind-the-scenes for Roger Rabbit stuff, and they, not only did they, like, hand-animate every frame of animation over you know the, like the actual cells they also yeah. had to do it four times to do the lighting like the amount of lighting passes they did was just insane it was like eighty-two thousand or some frames of animation for that movie and you could definitely tell the difference from a movie that came out like oh yeah three years earlier and then to look Something at this like that. And there's just like no semblance of even trying to match consistent lighting in any way. It's it's embarrassing. Like I can just imagine Ralph Bakshi at the premiere just sort of sinking down in his seat. Holly does the seduction routine on Jack, which for some reason includes burning him with a cigarette. He's into that rough play. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he was in prison, Brad. True. <laughs> that's how they do it in the big house. Yeah. They that's... also call it the big house in there. The cops show up for reasons not worth explaining, and Holly, Deebs, and Holly's weird, terrible friends get away in Holly's car, which has a fat, luscious ass. It is one of those things where you're just kind of taking it in, only half realizing what's happening until you're like in the middle of it, because no other part of the car has like a face or a body part is anthropomorphized it's just you realize as like it's getting riddled with bullets and they're like bouncing it off bouncing off it and making it jiggle that you like it's a little bit of a a long play where you're like oh my god i like this (laughs) is an ass like but we also don't see it that much so it's sort it's sort of like no i imagine that it just looked like that and like you're trying to catch it again it's a little gaslighty. It's a little yeah, like I just want that, you to think, oh, that was just a car. Like, look at an ass. No, baby, I didn't buy a car with an ass. You dumb. 
But Deebs, despite being tormented and this place being an H.R. Giger nightmare hellscape, thinks Cool World is amazing. It's perfect. Yeah. And there's a chase scene where the cops uh, pursue the ass car set to, I, I only noted this because I love every word of this, mm-hmm. set to the song Sex on Wheels, Wheels mm-hmm. with a Z, by the group My Life with a Thrill Kill Cult. <laughs> I did not know that. Amazing. What an amazing name for an orchestra. Yeah. I assume that's what they... uh, This sequence is amazing. It's pretty fun. I think it's a good chase. Like, it's a little thrilling. A little Looney Tunes in a good way. uh, Ralph Bakshi, for a while he sort of denigrated the film because of the studio interference, but later he would say that he thought this was the best animation he ever did. Mm. And... I have nothing to compare it to, so dead on, Ralph Bakshi. So after this chase, Frank meets up with his gal, Lynette. And originally, when I first saw this, I thought Frank was trying to pick up a, a doodle sex worker. Does seem like that. Really does seem like it that. It really does. But he's interrupted by his partner, Nails the Spider, voiced by Charlie Adler, who voiced Buster Bunny on Tiny Toon Adventures. Oh, okay. Uh, I watched a little Tiny Toon Adventures. Also, the Melon and Nut Merchant, separate roles in Aladdin. Oh. And also, he's the voice of Harold from Fallout 1 and 2, which is what I know him from, aside from the other things. don't know the first two games. Nails tells Frank that Deebs has been spotted again, and they head to the club. Outside of the club... Again, I don't bring up what happens in the foreground much, but here there's a row of differently colored dancing skeletons. And in the background, there's a bulbous man with no legs and I don't think any arms just bouncing up and down along with them. And this last... The classic joke, um, because he is a bouncer. Oh my God, I didn't get it. Yep. Yeah, he's a bouncer, keeping them from getting in. That's... Oh, man, if I were a... Yeah, no, I feel bad that I didn't get it, but also yeah. not that funny. Um, it's, it's not. Um, it's... I will... I One quick side note. In the SEN... SEN. The SNES <laughs> game, this character is portrayed, like, almost exactly the same. Like, they want you to recognize this bouncer character, but he has legs, and I was really confused by this, <laughs> like, given that there's, I, I just like, this is the only character in the whole movie who doesn't have legs and he's bouncing and his joke is that he's a bouncer. And then uh, they take him and put him in the game and give him legs. I can, I can only imagine, I'm just picturing Ralph Bakshi, for whatever reason, supervising the SNES version of his creation and just like, not really being that hands-on, but he sees the finished product and he's like, oh my god, they massacred my boy! They gave him legs! They gave him legs! He's a bouncer! What's he, a stander now? <laughs> a walker, Texas Ranger! Yeah, we see these skeletons for a very short amount of time, but it's very striking. And as you mentioned before, Holly's sole means of transportation seemed to be dancing because she go-go dances mm-hmm. out of an alley with her friends and into the club. 
the bouncer tells Holly, uh, she has uh, Deebs with her, and the mm-hmm. bouncer tells Holly that no noids are allowed. No noids. Why? There is one other noid in existence. And it's going to turn out that that noid is already inside because when they do get in, Frank is waiting to bust Deebs. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is this is really like if you went to a bar with like E.T. or something and they were like, no aliens. <laughs> and they point to a sign that says no aliens. And she's like, what? Why? Like, when would this have been relevant ever? When did this policy get enacted? I, I was about to say I want to see this movie where <laughs> kids try to take E.T. to a bar, but I guess that's basically just Paul. Remember the film Paul? Yeah, yeah I sure do. I mean, I remember <laughs> that there was a film Paul and then I watched it. <laughs> that's basically where I'm at. Um <laughs> Do do do. Okay, and here we get the only explanation of how Deeb's quote unquote created Cool World. Mm-hmm. He had visions and he draws them. Case closed. Jack has a fountain pen on him. Frank tells him that kind of thing is dangerous around here and mm-hmm. demonstrates it by shooting some liquor into Nail's mouth with the pen. And Deeb's doesn't get it. I don't get it either. I don't, because. He well, he dips it into a like a bottle first. He dips, he takes the pen, dips it in a bottle, and then uses it to spray what I assume is liquor into mm-hmm. Nail's mouth. And he's like, "Whoa!" And you're like, "Okay, <laughs> so is this a squirt gun? Is that what yeah, you're showing me? This why it, it's dangerous? Makes no sense. Maybe they're just trying to show." That this pen interacts with the world, even though it's from reality. Yeah. And again, the question has to be asked: When has a fountain pen ever been encountered in Cool World? Mm-hmm. But here, as we've been alluding to over and over and over again, we find that there is only one rule in Cool World. <laughs> And it is the oldest law in Cool World, established presumably by Cool Hammurabi. Uh, here, Frank does allude that other Noids have been through Cool World. Not ever mentioned again. We don't even find out what the rule is here. I forgot. Oh, but let's right. just, uh, What were you going to say? Um, I feel like there was a lot of like joke potential here with the like other Noids that pass through. You know, like depictions <laughs> of like. Charles Schultz, Jim Davis, you know, like people who have these brief moments of insanity and now like fucking Garfield is like a slave to this man's pen. Like, I mean, that's what Roger Rabbit would have done, which again, it sucks to compare the two, but yeah, world, I, I was just like, there's a lot of potential here for jokes that I feel like really go missed jokes any sort of meaning any sort of plot you could do so much with it with this pen idea it doesn't let's just reveal what the one rule of cool world is is that noids cannot have sex with doodles which sounds like (laughs) but uh now imagine you're frank harris for the most part, you're the only Noid that exists in Cool World. And Cool World is a nightmare hellscape of constant violence and just 
terrible, terrifying things. And you spend 50 years here and your only job is to keep people from fucking. He is a professional blue baller. <laughs> but, but he's also like no nutting himself. Yeah, that's you all know? he does. Is <laughs> He's been trapped here for 50 years. Uh, I mean, like... Well, part of me is interested in his perception of time because he has not aged in the past 50 years. He is exactly no, the same, which makes me think that maybe he's not quite aware of the passage of time. It doesn't feel like that long. Uh, I don't know, but um, has really just not relieved himself and or had relations in a long time. No, he has not. You would, you would think that he would like maybe start to feel a little sympathetic, like maybe a little weakened, but no, he is like, they won't fuck. He's, you know, he's a strong evangelical dad. <laughs> that's what I've always said about Brad Pitt. <laughs> yes. Whenever, whenever the paparazzis question me, that's what I always say. Mm -hmm. Deebs gets suddenly sent back to the real world for script convenience. Mm-hmm. Frank visits Lynette at her place. Lynette kisses him a bit, but he stops it because it can't go anywhere. And here's where I became very shocked because David Bowie did an original song for this movie. Wait, really? Yes, called Real Cool World. I watched this on, I rented this through Amazon that has the little x-ray thing. And that's the only reason I noticed it. And it blew my mind. And I just, I, I... did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. A man wants to fuck a cartoon? Sounds groovy. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> part of me wonders if he was in a state where he was like, I wonder if it's a bit of an autobiography, if you know <laughs> what I mean. Fucked a few cartoons, puppets, you know. <laughs> Whatever comes my way, you could call me a bit of a doodle myself. <laughs> Cool world. I called it Berlin. <laughs> I like to imagine that David Bowie was at the premiere and just like real pleased with himself. Frank says he can't live without Lynette and doesn't want to go back to the real world, but he can't be with her. And then it's implied they're about to do something like naked snuggles or something. Uh -huh. But Nails interrupts and they hit the streets. And at this Have point, I noted about how violent Brad Pitt is in this movie to women for no reason. No, it did not register with me. Please. Uh... Um, part of me thinks it's part of the like noir shtick where he's like trying to play up the like, um, the gross I got a smack around some mouthy. Dames. Yeah, like exactly. It's playing into that a little bit, but. Cause when he's uh when he's interacting with Holly that first scene, there's a couple times where they're just they're talking, and you know their energy is you know just two people having a conversation about something that's important, but they're having a conversation, and then he'll just shove her on the couch. He'll like kind of like toss her up against the wall, and with Lynette, her name's Lynette. Lynette. Okay. He keeps, and part of me wonders if, if this is genuinely because he's a violent character or they just really did a bad job at 
blocking the scene around the animation. It seems like when he's like going, he's like kind of reaching around her neck to like, I don't know, just be like, ah, this is my girl, my day. Yeah, I can see it. Like he's going for a chokehold sometimes. He's trying to wrestle her into a bit of like relational submission. It's it's a little aggressive. I can see it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely he's playing an archetype. It makes sense. Yes, I, I've movie. watched my fair share of noir, so maybe I was just like, oh yeah, that's how men in the forties treated women. Yeah, of course, this is a documentary, and also. No, true. I shouldn't be so flippant about it and accepting it's like, yep, that's how it went. Um, I mean, I just, I listened to the Behind the Bastards podcast on John Wayne, and he sure did a lot of, like, hitting women in public who then had to be like, gosh, I love him because now you're interviewing me. Yeah, uh, John Wayne is the worst. Yes, and I'm going to lose work if I don't say that's just a part of our lovemaking. And we should note that even though we revealed it to you, the movie has still not told us why Noids and Doodles can't fuck. Mm-mm. Except that maybe because of sensation issues and Noid... Originally, I thought it was like because Noids couldn't come with Doodles and Brad Pitt was just like, No! <laughs> if I can't get off, no one does. Um, <laughs> Deeb's... <laughs> Like, that was my legitimate interpretation. Like, that was the only thing that made sense to me. Because he was talking with Lynette about, like, oh, it's not going to go anywhere. Like, it's not going to... I was just like, is this all because, like, you can't come? It's literally just his, like, ED insecurity. That's that's a really fucking good interpretation, honestly. So, Deebs is zapped back to Cool World. Nails and Frank go to Holly's place. And it's a giant twisting skyscraper that Frank and Nails have to scale because the door won't let them in. Another they really make cool it. Oh yeah, it's great. Like uh, mostly for me the, the the design of the building, but it's still some nice cartoon antics on the way up. Frank goes into Holly's place and a real swinging party is going on and Holly oh, yeah. as ever is dancing and uh, it's almost like that song all she wants to do is dance. Mm-hmm. Should have been part of the Cool World soundtrack. Definitely. And probably the worst cartoon effect, Brad Pitt smokes a cartoon cigarette and then it's a joy to put, watch. puts it out on his sleeve for whatever reason. Yeah, immediately. Not concerned about, I don't know, fire doesn't exist in Cool World. Frank asks Holly where Deebs is. She says she doesn't know. Frank is about to leave when Holly tries to emasculate him, call him a wimp, and Frank just brushes it off. Frank tells Nails they have to find Deebs. Holly's unpleasant friends send Deebs up to Holly's place. Holly greets him, saying that Deebs likes looking at her. Holly takes Deebs to her bedroom, and we get a montage of a bunch of bizarre characters stopping in their tracks at this development, including a mother rabbit and her two rabbit girls who say, Man, is in the bedroom. <laughs> This is one of those. <laughs> I just i I want to know how they know. Is this like Truman Show where they all like the family gathers around at night around the TV to see like who Holly is fucking today? And like maybe it's maybe maybe the Doodle Noid copulation has such an effect in like the energy resonance of cool world that like everybody feels it if you're a doodle 
Um, like it's just like oh, just oh, we know it's coming. We never meet. We never intend. No, that is my holy oath. <laughs> but Holly has gotten out of her skimpy outfit into a skimpier outfit, mm-hmm. but she has also taken the time to put on gloves. Yes. Just something I noticed. <laughs> gloves that she's quickly going to take off. <laughs> Holly is uh, sexily taking off her gloves with her teeth. She's climbing on top of Gabriel Byrne seemingly several times, like it's a Jackie Chan movie, and we're seeing it from different angles. But meanwhile, her terrible friends are erecting t- piles of junk in order to watch the fucking. And it's this bizarre dissonance because Mm -hmm. the Hollywood and Gabriel Byrne stuff seems like it's really trying to be erotic and sensual. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, there's this madcap Looney Tunes antics going on Mm -hmm. outside. It's not that I want it to be erotic. It is, is the year of our Lord 2022. If I wanted to see sexy cartoons, there are many avenues, but I feel, I feel so bad for, some poor young boy in like 94 is like, Ooh, cool world. This is going to be sexy. And it's like, oh. here it comes. It's like, no, I can't even concentrate because of the yeah. antics. It, it is a tragedy that we, uh, we can't get this scene to be taken seriously. You know, no, I, that's... I, I think this should be a genuine romance. And I, I feel like the, you know, stacking a, stacking a giant mountain out of elephants and suitcases and then falling down and then playing the exact same animation uh, again is great and all, but you know, there's intimacy happening and we need to be respectful. That's I travel around to high schools and I give this talk to (laughs) kids from what is it now? Like 10th grade to 12th grade. I think high schools are mostly, but I'm talking to these kids. I'm like, Sex is to be respected, and this cut of cool world that is not erotic as it should be is disrespectful to God. It sure is. It sure is. And we we do see Deebs and Holly sort of sub softcore fuck where we don't see Deebs at all. But if you know, Holly's clearly writing a D word. Mm, a Deeb. <laughs> Go balls, Deeb. That's what <laughs> yeah. that's what his bumper sticker says. Oh, uh, I entirely believe that. You know what? I do too. Then there's an explosion, and Holly has turned into a human, and here we find out that is why they're not supposed to know each other biblically. And I mm-hmm. watched this movie on my first watch in two parts, and I stopped mm-hmm. right around here because it's about an hour in, about 50 minutes yep. in. And when I picked the movie back up the next day, a few scenes later from this, I was like, Holly's human. When did that happen? How did that uh-huh. happen? I somehow missed this. And t- I don't know if I blocked it out or what, but I was just like, <laughs> did she look at the, is it a magic mirror? She looked, I was rewinding. I was like, she, she's looked in the mirror. She became human. It's a magic mirror. Okay. I'll keep rolling and I'll get it on the next watch. No, it, it's the power of sex. It was the big O. Mm. I, I've <laughs> never anime. <laughs> yeah, I. There is something really special about a movie 
that's mechanics are so based upon orgasming like it is genuinely and you know for the gentleman that this movie is it's all about her pleasure absolutely it's it's only when she orgasms that the the transference of reality really happens and i think ultimately my takeaway is that this is a feminist film oh absolutely like frankenhooker and my takeaway is that if anyone's going to ring that bell, it's Gabriel Byrne. Mm-hmm. Holly as a human is Kim Basinger, who you might know as the Veronica Lake lookalike in LA Confidential. And she was mm-hmm. on that episode of The Simpsons with Alec Baldwin. Oh. Sure, she's been in other things. Also, okay, so now let's ask the questions. How do they know this is what happens when Noids have sex with doodles? And how do they know that it will cause problems? And does it serve any purpose to withhold this information from us for this long? Like, is this like, is anyone like, oh my God, that's why. (laughs) Yeah, this is in the spoiler section of discussion. But like, it's, as I kept noting, I was like, why aren't they telling us? Why aren't they telling us? And then they tell us and I'm like, I don't know that it served any purpose to string us along like no. this. Maybe if you were edging the whole movie. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> Maybe the idea is that some horny asshole is, like, jerking it. Until that point in the movie, they're like, Oh my god, if I come, it'll be real! And they boost uh, you um... into the screen... And now I'm a uh, cool world. I'm imagining some weird fin dom version of this movie where it's like you pay an increasing amount for every 10 minutes. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get to see Holly's tits. I'm going to get to see Holly's tits. It's like then towards the end, it's like, oh, yeah, now she's real and I'm, I'm going to still get to see him. And it's like, I don't Maybe this is just all bizarre fetish. It kind of. I mean, it is fetish stuff like. Very surface level, it's fetish, but I mean, on a more devious, I don't know. I just want... I I don't want to see any uh, behind-the-scenes footage of what Bakshi was doing. That's all I'll say. (laughs) I'll make this movie. Frank goes to find Lynette. Uh, She's working at a club, because apparently Cool World still is based in capitalism. Mm -hmm. Not very cool, Cool World. Yeah. And Nails goes to man the phones. Brad Pitt gives a cartoon, a very awkward back rub, and it is awful. Frank tells Lynette to put her arm around him. And I'm like, what does that feel like for you? Like, is that comforting in any way? Like, it just... I want this story of a man who just, like, has been here for 50 years and has had no real connection. And is just desperately searching for, like, any sensation. Honestly, I'm... I'm tempted to write some fan fiction. Like there are there are a few movies where they are just so they care so little about their premise that I am like desperate to rewrite the screenplay. <laughs> I had that a little bit earlier. I'm not sure if it was the beginning of this year or I think it was end of last year with Matrix Four. Oh, I didn't see Matrix Four. Uh, I read I we don't have to talk about that. Okay. That's, that's, that's a lot to cover. I thought they were going somewhere like 
really cool that might have been like the matrix again and uh no they just didn't that's all that's all i'll say gotcha um, so sparks calls nails and tells him that holly and deeb's fucked apparently this could cause a problem with the interworld matrix or something oh nails right. nails yeah the interworld matrix yeah different nail nails tries to call frank at the club and we get my least favorite character the screaming red telephone we, did you okay <laughs> we literally said this is our favorite character <laughs> <laughs> and I will note I, so this is an annoying character but it's one of the most at least like coherently realized bits is that like a telephone is nervous about being rung and yes. being rung for them is like an active panic attack so they're just like desperately trying to get picked up which is kind of a funny bit. Um, it is more, like I said, coherent than a lot of the other jokes in the movie. It is. It's more. Um, it's much more Roger Rabbit than any the other stuff. Yes. And thinking about it that way, I definitely see it. There is one. I was reading rev- like reviews from the time of the movie, and one of them, like, literally listed this phone as the only positive in the movie. <laughs> They said, aside from an inspired moment with a nervous phone, this movie is a nightmare. <laughs> and I really and, appreciated that. And the review was titled, But Who Was Phone? <laughs> the phone, it rings, it runs around screaming Frank's name until it finds him. Nails feels bad about interrupting Lynette and Frank snuggling, so he doesn't tell him that Holly has turned into a Noid, and he goes to solve the problem himself. And while Nails is waiting for Frank to pick up the phone, he does chomp through an entire desk in about three bites. <laughs> Which made me think he was a termite on my first watch, but I guess he's <laughs> just a spider. Nope, just a spider who eats giant hunks of wood. Have you ever been so nervous you ate a desk? I mean, four times a week at least. Oh, wow! Your desk budget is out of control. And this yeah. is my new reality show where I help people get their desk budgets under control. This is a backdoor pilot. Thank you for listening. <laughs> help me, Brad. My desk budget is out of control. What you need to do is stop eating them. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I can't do that. Oh, shit. This never happened before. I'm going to get a personal loan. <laughs> I love going to the bank. <laughs> and I love saying I need money to eat desks. I always have to select other because they don't have four desks as one of the options. <laughs> four desks per week. <laughs> my week, my desk per diem. <laughs> Meanwhile, Holly just keeps looking at her human form in the mirror. And I guess all of Holly's clothes became real too. Because she changes into into some kind of uncomfortable jailbait outfit. Yeah, uh, she's really dressing beneath her age. It, mm-hmm. it, it's to be this transference is weird, and this is another thing where knowing the background makes a little more sense. Where back she wanted somebody who was like wanted a twenty year old woman. She is not twenty, but she is wearing a suspender skirt like she's twenty. 
Yes. It feels awkward. It does not feel sexy in the way it is supposed to be. Not that that's what I'm coming to the movie for. No, but um, it feels like it was supposed to be sexy to the worst kind of people. Yeah. She tells Jack she needs to go tell her terrible friends goodbye. And mm-hmm. on her way out, she steals Deebs' fountain pen. On the street, Nails confronts Holly, who plans to go to the real world. Also, just here's where I realize this movie has a really uncomfortable anti-miscegenation side. Like, if you really want to, like parse out the politics of like don't mix races or else you're gonna disrupt reality um mm, that is interesting that's definitely interesting uh i know it's not the point of the movie and it's definitely something to be read into it but still it could be argued bakshi's work in general is very like unproblematic problematic like he he often uses like very intense racial caricatures while trying to humanize those caricatures in a way that is really weird. So it's not like out of the realm of possibility for that being a theme that he's interested in. Again, it's never done anything with. It doesn't go anywhere. There's no other evidence to point to and be like, yeah, no, this is what it means because it ends up being a bad thing. Nails tries to stop Holly, but she sucks him up with the fountain pen. And uh, Holly is awful, but at least she kills cops. That's that's very good of her. Not poppers. Oh no, she kills poppers too. She does poppers oh, and poppers. Mm, a woman. Oh man, she drinks. She smokes. She murders the popo. She she sucks a detective into her pen, <laughs> just like iced tea wrapped about. <laughs> The power of the power of poetry. The power of the pen is mightier than the sword. Ice tea. Also, we get our first instance of Holly's. I guess it's a catchphrase. I guess she calls people pencil dick. <laughs> I forgot about this. Uh, she's got a pen, but she's calling them pencil dicks. Yep. Deebs embrace, and somehow they cross over to the real world. They wind up in Deebs's house, which is smoking on the outside. His neighbors, a mother and daughter, come to check in on them. And I guess at some point, these women established a relationship with this convicted murderer. Um, Yeah, it really, they don't even establish if it's because they like, because there's a shot at the beginning when he like is living at home for one of the first times where there's like one of these women across the street looks at him in a way that is like kind of knowing, but we don't mm -hmm. know if she recognizes him from like his job as a comic illustrator or if it's because he's like lived there before and she's like oh he's back in town never established they just kind of walk into their house as soon as they see something (laughs) electrical happening they're they're like okay we get to go in there we learned that neighbor daughter is a fan of cool world but it's never established that she actually realizes that this is jack thebes or whatever until later he introduces the neighbors to holly who is punch drunk on reality very giggly very airheaded and i like kim basinger's performance here i thought she uh did pretty good as a sort of ditzy uh it's it's funny but i it doesn't really make sense to me because 
even though she is like very sexual, very femme fatale, there is genuinely something intelligent about her character in Cool World. She is like a very conscious manipulator and she has like underlings who follow what she like commands them to do. Um, so it is interesting, this like punch drug gone reality thing where she's just like, Oh, I'm real. Like she can't have a conversation. It's not like they don't have conversations in cool world. Like true knows what conversations are, but the movie really wants to have this like fish out of water comedy moment where like, Oh, she's in reality and she's overwhelmed. So she's like a bimbo now. I, I hear you, especially because neither Deebs or Frank ever had that sort of reaction to being in Cool World. No. Nope. When their reaction to being in Cool World should be screaming madness. <laughs> right. And at least it's established that Holly has seen at least one Marilyn Monroe motion picture. So right. she knows, like, yeah, no, fuck this movie. <laughs> If anything, she knows more than they do about yeah. the real world. So yeah. I wish they would have played that up where Holly has more information over Deebs and Frank than the, or at least Deebs because she can see through both ways. Mm-hmm. Back in Cool World, Frank arrives at Nails's murder site. Sparks tells Frank that Holly is now annoyed and she killed Nails and we get my favorite line in the movie. This is going to be the biggest shitstorm the cool world has ever seen. <laughs> eh, not really. I In a place that seems like everywhere is the Thunderdome every minute of the day, Like I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it doesn't really affect anything. No, there's a lot worse things than like this woman has another dimension now. Deeves takes Holly somewhere. Somewhere where motherfucking Frank Sinatra Jr. is performing. Yeah, I I like that after, like, zorping back into this reality that he has not spent enough time to, this time in already in the movie, after, you know, like, copulating with this doodle woman for the first time ever, his own creation, they're like, let's just go to the club. Yeah, no, just, like, keep her in, like, here's a Pringle, here's a combo. Right, especially when they're doing the fish out of water thing. They're not like, she's not like running around the house like, oh, it's a pot and it's a pan. And she's like, <laughs> what is this, a drinking bowl? Oh, it's a toilet. Like, oh. I, she just immediately after this scene, like she still has a similar personality, but like now they're dressed up and they're like, I'm ready for some smooth lounge music. <laughs> After that experience. So, I was incredibly hung up on the Frank fact that Frank Sinatra Jr. is in this movie. Wait, and it's like, literally Frank Sinatra Jr.? Yes. That wasn't a joke. No. Oh. This is literally Frank Sinatra Jr. And, like, you, you didn't notice that it sounds pretty close to Frank Sinatra? I mean, I'm not the biggest Frank Sinatra fan slash listener. Fair, I am a million years old. I um, mean, I, I do uh, want it my way every once in a while, but like, uh, that's uh, just when I go to Burger King. Ooh, I was about to make the joke, but I figured you were going there. Um, 
but yes, it is literally Frank Sinatra Jr. And he does sound quite a bit like Frank Sinatra. And he looks a little bit like a rounder version of mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra. So here's my thing. Is uh, of Frank Sinatra's famous children, Frank Sinatra Jr. is probably the second tier under Nancy. <laughs> and Frank Sinatra Sr. was alive at the time this movie came out. So I just kept imagining... <laughs> Frank Sinatra Jr. on sort of this never-ending quest, being like, hey, Pops, I'm in this movie. I'm in this movie with Kim Basinger. She she grinds on me, Pops. You got to see it. You got to you gotta come to the premiere, Pops. You got I'm better than Nancy. I'm in the cool world. <laughs> I And then he comes, and it's like a Hayao Miyazaki watching his son's movie for the first time kind of interaction. I've not heard this story. Can you expound on that? Oh, so Tales of Earthsea, which was Goro Miyazaki's first film, first film directing, is very much about, it's about a son who kills his father, and Hayao was not a very present father for his childhood, like, at all. I can see that. Basically neglected his kids so he could draw cartoons all day. Um, I mean, I get it, we gotta do it. We gotta make Totoro's. Every day, you got to hit the streets and make Totoro's. You got to get on your Totoro grind. <laughs> You're going to make it in this industry. You know, ignore your children. The message of my neighbor, to- my neighbor Totoro, ignore your children. <laughs> I mean, kind of is. not, not well, the message, considering most of that movie is them being like, where the fuck are our parents? <laughs> They're just wandering in the woods. They're at a bus stop in the middle of the night getting rained on. It doesn't matter. I Um, just also wanted to point out that Frank Sinatra Sr. lived six years longer than his son, and that's why he's the best. (laughs) Damn. That's rough. Yeah. um, Um, Basically, the end of that story was that Hayao walked out of the movie and said that people should never make art that was that much about reality and then didn't talk to his son for a few years after. So I'm imagining that happening when Frank's about to This is my breakout world, Dad. Come to see me in cool world. <laughs> and and I was in the Manchurian candidate, you schmuck, and you're in the cool world with these cartoons. <laughs> he has his people just kick the shit out of his son in the man's Chinese theater parking lot. And just... Yes. He's like, Dad, I thought this is what you by the rat pack. I'm hanging out with cartoon rats. <laughs> This one, Scabby Davis Jr. (laughs) So we we talked about Holly's personality a little bit. And you say we we still see pretty much the same thing here. I feel like she flips because before she was hanging all over Deebs. Now they're in this lounge. Now she's just like, I got to perform. Well, now she's just like, there's so many men here. (laughs) Right. The, the the medium dick energy is too strong collectively. <laughs> the Vegas tourist dick energy. <laughs> right. I forget this movie is in Vegas somehow. They uh, they sit and Holly wants one of every drink, and when <laughs> when Deves tells tells her she needs to slow down, she immediately flies off the handle. She's going to get everything she ever wanted, which. 
by becoming real, seems like she's off to a good start. And then she says that no man in here will say no to Holly. And of course, that means she's going to storm Frankie Jr.'s stage. They perform Let's Make Love from the Marilyn Monroe movie. Mm-hmm. Deebs gets thrown out. He grabs one of the bouncers by the face and gives them some cartoon electricity. Yeah. Means nothing, amounts to nothing. Annoyed me a great deal. I do like that the guy is just kind of reacts like he flipped his nose or something. It's just like, he literally has an animated blue glow attached to him now, and he's just like, hmm, uh, I'm gonna go inside now. Maybe <laughs> use the washroom. Get a look at the entertainment, maybe forget about this whole ordeal. <laughs> Let's go watch the stage crasher perform with Frank Sinatra Jr. <laughs> You know, his dad wouldn't accept that, but that's why Frankie Jr.'s a man of the people. This is what I came to the big city, Las Vegas, for. A place where anything can happen. <laughs> uh, outside, Deebs and his car flashback between being real and cartoon, but for some reason, Deebs' cartoon is some weird, puffy old man. Back in Cool World, Frank tells Lynette he needs to go to the real world to avenge Nails. Lynette's upset. They argue Frank goes back anyway. Yeah, this scene is also interesting because they established in the beginning that Brad Pitt was in the war and has PTSD, Mm -hmm. has flashback moments of terror. That's right. We completely just forget about that. Yeah, that doesn't come up again. Him and Lynette go on top of this building's roof in a very deliberate way. Like, this is where what they're about to do has to happen. And he's like, stand away from me. Like I'm about to go super Saiyan. And he, <laughs> just, he visibly like a thought bubble p- appears above him. And he just, for some reason must concentrate of the, tr- on the trauma. Not before <laughs> that he was having a flashback to for this scene, but the actual of ev- events of him crashing with his mother, which again, it's like, which, again, is a little bit like an inception of trauma. Like, if you have a flashback to trauma, but in that moment, you were currently dissociating because of a traumatic flashback. How do you dwell on that moment? Especially because this guy is not processed shit. Obviously oh. not. Uh <laughs> Because he's a man from the 1940s, and even if he right. were a man from 1992, he wouldn't. That was odd to me as well, because it was like, that seems like a surefire way to send you back to 1945 mm-hmm. and not, for whatever reason, Jack Deebs' house, which is where he's going to end up. Right. He just he concentrates on his mom crashing, and that gets him to Jack Deebs' house. And it's not like there's a specific portal in Jack Deebs' house. Like, he got into Cool World initially in prison. Yes. So it's not like they're using this one-way transportation initially i thought like oh this prison was like built close to that spot where you know brad pitt crashed so this is like there's just like a thin place here between the real world and the cool world that got ripped open but no he just thinks about his mom dying and that gets him to the cartoonist's house and i guess 
been easily going back and forth between the real world and this world this whole time. But uh, I mean, I would imagine when he first got there, he would have been thinking about his dead mother quite a bit and would have just gone back automatically. But I guess he's just like, nope, time to not fuck cartoons. But before Frank goes back to Deeb's house, Deeb's and Holly are driving and Holly sees an advertisement for the Union Plaza, Vegas Vinny's mythical hotel casino that has the spike atop it. Yes. And Holly literally kicks Gabriel Byrne out of the car so she can go get the spike. Yeah. Back at Deeb's house, the neighbor daughter sees that Deeb's house is lit up again. And here's where the movie starts to get really, really bad for me. Mm -hmm. Like, once everyone leaves Cool World and you don't have that Ralph Bakshi animation to like really yeah. just be like, that's a cool thing to see. Mm-hmm. It just becomes people running around. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. I mean, that's at least when they're in Cool World, it feels it has like the pacing and the aesthetics of that that noir type of film where it's really just like about people having conversations understanding more about the world as you come to like understand you know underground relationships people have like crime syndicate it has that like feeling of a a dark underground opening up Mm -hmm. even if the movie doesn't or the world doesn't make sense kind of inherently and then when they go to the real world it like there's it's fucking vegas like there's, it, there's nothing to discover They're, they are just running around but no i think you hit the nail on the head there i didn't think about i didn't process it that way but you're right like with cool world there's always this expectation like yeah this is all going to come together and there's going to be this great lore and this great world right. building and then you're like oh so no to that and uh I guess we're hoping to run into Vince Vaughn and John Favreau and Swingers out here. Yeah. The last third of this movie really feels like a mystery science theater movie, if that makes sense. Compared- like a bad movie. <laughs> like a- I, there is a specific quality to good mystery science theater covered movies, though. Where- a cheesy movie. Right, where there's just, like, a lack of care for, like, the world and atmosphere, but there's enough, like, people are, like, flailing and gesticulating enough where it's, like, the because the background is so blank, you get, and, and the cogs working in the background are so broken, it just is funny to see people try to make a story out of this. Yeah, no, people are trying. People are, especially Brad Pitt, who is eventually stopped selling his lines. I don't know what the filming order of this, but there's a <laughs> part where I noted he just stopped trying to sell. Um, he really is just kind of like they're doing the cold read. He's like, <laughs> you know what? I think you got it. Like, like he's just arguing with Bakshi and he's like, no, that's my character. That's how my character read it. My character just doesn't give a shit about this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Deebs returns home and runs into Frank. Deebs implores Frank to shoot him. And this is a scene where two two gentlemen are doing their best to act yeah. the shit out of it. And like 
Gabriel Burns like, shoot me, just shoot me. <laughs> Brad Pitt does this thing. He does it a couple times. I think he only does it to Gabriel Byrne. I think he solely does it to fuck with Gabriel Byrne, where he like interrupts him. He's like, "Don't, don't test me." Well, like, <laughs> it's so awkward, and it felt like, like such a choice. Or I'll shoot you, and it's like that's what he's asking you to do. Like, yeah. what is the energy? Like, what is? What do you both want in this scene? I got the sense that neither of these actors were on set with each other because we don't see them together. Uh-huh. It's always shot reverse shot, which makes things harder and makes you might maybe want to sell a little bit harder. Yeah, uh, from their perspective, they really only have like two or three scenes together because they have that scene in the bar together, right? Yes. Where he's like, don't fuck her. Don't do it. <laughs> and then I know they what have... you're thinking. You're thinking you're going to put your wiener in a kitty cat. <laughs> it's 2D. That's not how it works. Just go home. <laughs> Here, I got this block puzzle that's going to show you how it doesn't work. <laughs> Frank sees Deeb switch between Noid and Doodle. The neighbor daughter busts in. Deebs tells everyone that Holly is headed to the Union Plaza Casino to get the spike and meet Vegas Vinny. Still don't know why. Because he's a legend. He's he's the Doodle who made it. But, like, they Holly, like, has what she wants. I mean, like, I know they're, like, zorping in between these, like, these, like, single frames of... I don't even know what they are. They aren't their cartoon version, their doodle no. version of themselves. They're just random caricatures. I don't understand what they have to do with the characters themselves. I don't either, because Holly sort of transforms into this, like, Marge Simpson modest clown. Yeah. Doodle. And I was like... I. I felt like back she was like, hmm, what's a sort of doodle that no one would be attracted to? But here's mm. the thing. Ralph Bakshi, not prescient enough to see Clussy supremacy. Oh, yeah. Didn't stand on the shoulders of a tall enough giant. He should have talked to Kojima. Kojima would have known. <laughs> Hideo Kojima. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you think uh, you think uh, Kojima uh, foresaw the the rise of clown girls? I think so. Do you, do you think that's the weapon to surpass Metal Gear? Is just Clussy? Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. And ultimately, um, I think that's what caused the Death Stranding as well. Probably. I think him going too far with the Clussy is what's caused the botch job on Phantom Pain, where that the entire ending was just about hot clown girls. And, and made Silent Hills get cancelled. Yes. Guillermo del Toro was actually put off by how much Kojima was just about clown girls, and he was like... And it's hard to put him off. Yeah, no, he likes uh, fish people. Uh, fucking Paddington's mom. He definitely has like a one-to-one fish vaginal canal replica somewhere in his house amongst all those curios and that oh, man. <laughs> I hope so. I, I hope so for just uh, austerity's sake, like so future generations can revere mm-hmm. it. And uh, neighbor daughter offers her mother's car to help these two older men, one who is a complete stranger and the other who is a convicted murderer. Say, shoot me, shoot me. 
go to do something. Like <laughs> this sounds the strip. This sounds like nocturnal animals. This sounds like some weird adjacent project where it's just like you shouldn't get in that car. Bad things are going to happen. Yeah, and they were like, if Jake Gyllenhaal goes blind at the end of this, that's going to be good for us. So Holly arrives at the plaza and goes searching for Vegas Vinny. I'm not going. To, I am going to briefly touch on the very awkward shtick she has with the valet, but I'm not going to explain it. It's so weird that I have to touch on it, but it's not worth talking about. Mm-hmm. Frank says that Vegas Vinny is based on a character we saw six hours ago, Doc Whiskers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also realize how the balance between Cool World and the real world could be disrupted, but they still let Frank stay in Cool World and Doc Whiskers go to the real world. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Again, it makes no sense. And it's, it's frustrating because there are good things about, I always say it, it's not a especially insightful comment, but the most frustrating movies aren't bad movies. They're movies Mm -hmm. where it's like, you could have been so good. Mm -hmm. You could have been so good if you just made sense or tried or you didn't get the poltergeist bros to be like, what if Craig T. Nelson were here? <laughs> and I am disappointed in you as a child. <laughs> My child watching this movie. Holly gets ejected from the casino. And here's another rabbit hole I went down. Mm-hmm. Because I was watching on Amazon and I had the x-ray. Uh, I saw that one of the bouncers ejecting Holly the actor is a gentleman named Big Yank. Big Yank. Big Yank. I oh, love Big Yank. I love Big Yank, and I tried to find out more information about Big Yank. But the most comprehensive information I could find on him was courtesy of the Rocky Wiki, like the wiki for the franchise Rocky. Okay. And I'm not sure if anything on there was real. <laughs> so I don't want to be like, yeah, let me tell you the story of Big Yank. And I'm talking about someone who had a cameo in Rocky 3 in one of the Rocky video games. Okay. Yeah, so that was my Big Yank rabbit hole. Nice. Holly is met by a film noir Jawa. Just this mm-hmm. short man in a trench coat and a hat, scarf around his face. Holly literally shakes him down when he betrays that he knows she's a doodle and he's revealed to be doc whiskers. Oh, how surprising when Brad Pitt just said that. I still don't understand this reveal. Like, I don't know why he's living in secret. I don't know why he's Vegas Vinny. I don't know why this is. Is he, is he actually Vegas Vinny or is this some weird cool world myth where it's like whiskers went over there because he said that he like tried to remove the spike, but it was too hard. And well, isn't his name like Vince or Vincent or something? It's Vincent Whiskers. But it's implied that he like tried to become annoyed for a while, but he couldn't hold it, having trouble like staying in form. So he's like, "It's impossible." I was more imagining that he couldn't get laid. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe no. This is the movie we need. We need. We need Doc Whisk. We need Doc Whiskers like super bad. It's just him trying to navigate like Tinder. <laughs> is really what it is. 
I have a 2D penis. <laughs> and I like to create spikes. It's really special to imagine that, like, raunchy R-rated Doc Whispers <laughs> getting laid comedy. Like, uh, I, I picture, again, to go back to video games, like a leisure suit Larry. Uh-huh. Oh, he's like a perfect... You could literally... Like, someone needs to make that mod. Absolutely. With Doc Whiskers. <laughs> It'll be a huge hit. Absolutely. All the Cool World fans, all the Leisure Suit Larry fans, who also download mods for those games, <laughs> specifically about Cool World. Yeah. Holly affirms that she will reach a spike and uses the fountain pen to pop Doc Whiskers... Just as Deebs, Frank, and the young woman arrive, Frank tells Deebs to stay behind and tend to Whiskers while Frank goes after Holly, and they chase each other, and they chase each other, and they chase each other, and I... Did you care, ever? It has moments where it's, like, cool, and then moments where you're like, can we please just get out of this hallway? Like you're just standing here. Why are you just standing here? We're in the climax of this movie. Like this is a chase there. Like, yeah, I never felt like engaged or like uh, at points I was like, Oh, something happening. But mostly I was just like, we're 20 minutes from the end. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, I wish this were over at this point. I was done. I, I gathered all my stuff and I was like, let's, let's pack it in. I kind of like Brad Pitt touching his hand over the, like, ephemeral fake cartoon wall. I don't know why it's ephemeral or fake. And then getting kicked in the nuts by a cartoon foot that comes through a door. And I I like Holly trying to do the same thing again in her cartoon form and go through a wall, which for some reason makes you a ghost. I don't know. And then she slams into a wall. I found that enjoyable. It was more enjoyable in the trailer, where it was cut <laughs> with some kind of urgency, but a nice moment, I guess. It's a nice moment, at least, her slamming it, into the wall for me. I enjoyed that, but I don't care about any of these characters. No. None of these characters have really been developed. Uh, somehow, the most developed character is Frank. At least he has a reason to be doing what he's doing. Right. Avenging his partner, and it's insane because Frank was an add-in character just to make a role for Brad Pitt. Right. And it's like, how do you... Oh, maybe they should have done a second draft of the script. Maybe that's Oh, that would be good. Maybe they should have done a first one, actually. (laughs) Oh! At least with the zingers. Damn. They only did a half draft. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love going down to the pub getting a half draft. But here's my thing. We're not the end. But close to the end, here's my takeaway. If Ralph Bakshi had held out four more years, I bet we could have gotten Ralph Bakshi's Space Jam. Oh, shit. If he guarded his talent a little bit, and he was like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm not going to make Cool World, but I'm going to sort of cultivate my clout. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, yeah, Michael Jordan, Bugs Bunny, a rap co-written by Jay-Z. This has Ralph Bakshi written all over it. A lot of potential. I I just got a very hard image of Ralph Bakshi at his animating desk with the already recorded Space Jam soundtrack just on his Walkman, just like, (laughs) come on and slam, and welcome to the jam. And he's just like making the best work of his life from the Quad Mm -hmm. City DJs. Do you think he would self 
insert himself as uh, Wayne Knight's character. I thought you were going to say Bill Murray as if Ralph no. Bakshi were like a big enough celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows who Ralph Bakshi is and what he looks like. I mean, uh, to be I would fair, so. when I was a kid watching Space Jam, I had no idea who the fuck Bill Murray <laughs> I probably didn't either. I probably didn't either, honestly. I was like, who is this guy? Why is everybody cheering? (laughs) Everybody in the audience was cheering. They were on their feet, standing ovation. They had to stop the projection to allow the audience to like... It was like cons, just Mm -hmm. a 12-minute ovation, just when he says, don't point that thing at me, and everybody... Holly tries to escape through the wall. She does it once, but can't do it again. She goes out into the balcony... On the ground, Whiskers has been put back together. Thank God this beloved character is well again. (laughs) Holly scales the side of the building. Frank tells her to get down. Holly asks for help. Surprising nobody, it's a ruse, and Holly pushes Frank off the side of the building, and he plunges to his death. Yep, it is just a straight-up... It is like a classic Hollywood fall. Like, that man is just falling from a skyscraper... I'm surprised they didn't use the Wilhelm scream. Yeah. And he slams his head into... I mean, you don't see it. But his brains are, like, splattered out. Like, he's a fucking dead man. I don't know quite why, but uh, here's where I noted... Here's where I started hating this movie. Mm -hmm. Holly drops her pen. It breaks. Oh, now I remember why. Whiskers says to Jack, This is your chance to make it right. Yep, this is definitely the worst. This is the worst. (laughs) Fuck you, and this is a phrase I'm going to be saying a lot, because, one, Jack really didn't do anything wrong. He didn't know what was going to happen. He was just like, I'm going to have sex with this hot cartoon lady. Yeah. You can at least tell me why. Yeah, and... You can tell him why he can't fuck her. Exactly. And two... This is the most unearned thing I've ever seen in a movie where it's just like, we need to end it. We Mm -hmm. need to end it, so we just need to say words. You're a superhero now. Jack goes, it's time to do something right. And I mean, he, he made one of the world's most popular comic books, but also he is a murderer. Uh, I don't know. Either way doesn't work. Deebs gets Palpatine lightning hands Mm -hmm. and, his arms stretch to the top of the casino Mm -hmm. and he pulls himself up and here's where the, just the rage reaches maximum because the neighbor daughter says he's going to kill himself. And Whiskers says he's fulfilling his destiny. (laughs) He's become, he's becoming a hero. I wish he, honestly, I wish he would have just jumped. <laughs> it would have been a better ending. <laughs> he's becoming here, right next to, right next to Frank. <laughs> Doc Whiskers has met this man for like five minutes. Let, let's also underline that. 
Not even. They just like watch Brad Pitt go into a hotel, and then he just tells him to be a hero. This is some George Lucas writing. George Lucas watched Cool World, and then he wrote the entire prequel trilogy. No, it's in fear. It's in fear. Like it, it's like I wish I could laugh about it like you, but it's too traumatizing. <laughs> it, it's so it's so inept. It's just like it's just like the poltergeist guys were like. Oh man, if we don't finish the script today, then we have to come in tomorrow. So uh, let's just write words. Yeah. Holly gets the spike, and when she pulls it out and unleashes the last cool thing in this movie, it's a bunch of spooky, semi translucent strands of faces. Mm hmm. That all, and this might also be happening in Cool World. I was unclear. It, does, it doesn't happen in that like chain that it does, but those faces will like randomly kind of hover around in those nonsensical like foreground animations in Cool World. Gotcha. But in the real world, these entities invade Vegas. Holly paps pops back and forth between no- Noid and Doodle, but her original Doodle for whatever reason now. Yeah. And she stays in her original doodle form. Mm-hmm. Deebs comes up and touches her. And now we say goodbye to Gabriel Byrne. Yep. Cause he, Be- no part of him exists for the rest of the movie. He not becomes a part, not his voice. No, because he becomes a, a big muscular cartoon superhero man. And he is now voiced by Maurice LaMarche again. Not again, but, doing another voice. And I, I wonder if they made Gabriel Byrne try to do like a superhero voice. Yeah. Uh, Didn't go well. I can't imagine it would like, I don't even want to like try to do an impression because it's just, this character feels like a holdover from mighty mouse. It seems definitely like back. She was just like, I don't know. What if Mighty Mouse was not a mouse and he was just Mighty Man? I guess he just gets to be Mighty Man, sure. Which we didn't mention before, but part of Bakshi's reemergence into the cultural landscape was his reimagining reboot of Mighty Mouse. Mm-hmm. So it, but it, it feels so far removed from his original vision that this feels like Poltergeist guys to me. Mm-hmm. We're just like, oh yeah, cartoons, superheroes. Uh, we know what that is, mm-hmm. and also we need to end this so we can go do coke. <laughs> Holly kicks Super Deebs in the balls. <laughs> Did you enjoy it this time too? Yeah. Okay. Holly seems not to be upset that she is destroying the real world, even though this is all she wanted to get right. to. She wanted to be real, and she's a doodle again. She's like, I love being a fascist doodle. <laughs> That's a fun phrase. It sounds like a super spicy, like Cheeto. Yeah. Oh, it's going to control your taste buds. Super Deebs catches the spike with his feet in a thing as the entities storm las vegas they turn real people into doodles lots of cartoon chaos which is kind of fun but at the same time i I just wanted to be over it's also like not creative enough like i kind of wanted there to be more like body horror like elements yeah to the cartoon like invasion the cartoon apocalypse um (laughs) 
but it's like mostly people who it's just like here's a a, a heavier set woman and now she's yeah. like a heavier set female chicken and you're like okay yeah the yes some people seem bothered by this transformation and other people just ignore it yeah and like the closest thing we get to what you're talking about is two women sitting next to each other the slot machines one turns into a cartoon character of an obese person and the real woman looks over at her and screams presumably because it's a cartoon and then vice versa happens when the other woman turns into a cartoon but no one seems really that bothered that they're cartoons. No. Which, again, give me the John Carpenter in the mouth of madness going insane. Yeah. Like, it's a cartoon. This isn't real. I, like, I'm witnessing a 2D space in my 3D mind. And 100%. I'm- and, and this is something they, like, again, already did in Roger Rabbit. But they're, like smartly they like toned it down and made it like a person who is like underneath you know a cartoon as that that stuff's kind of like coming out of them so it's like more controlled by the reality around them i feel like they bit off more than they could chew with this ending to be like it just felt like there's a couple of like semi-wide shots of like it's always just like two people and then they're just like whoa there's a cartoon character yeah and then the neighbor daughter, is it the neighbor's daughter or the neighbor? It is the neighbor daughter. Well, the the neighbor mother does turn into like a chicken lady briefly. And right. then the neighbor daughter has the same like weird 1940s animation that. Yeah, she turns into like, like Tintin or something. <laughs> like a blondie strip, like a character yes. from a blondie strip. Um, nails leaks out of the fountain pen. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Super Deebs has a big cartoon fight which just isn't as interesting as it should be uh holly confronts him asks him for the spike he's about to give it to her but then i didn't understand this at all a cartoon shadow ink monster that looks like nails uh says something and then holly calls them pencil dicks Mm-hmm. And Super Deebs is like, I should get this spike back where it belongs. And I just... it. it do you know what happens here? No, I don't. I don't. Okay. Just making sure. Just making sure that after and two honestly, watches... I don't even want to spend the energy to try and unravel it. Like it, it I just No, I agree. There. It's not worth... Uh, I, I'm not going to spend any more energy than the Poltergeist dudes did. Which yeah. was zero. So he does return the spike, and this is a nitpick <laughs> that does not need to be mentioned, but still bothered me. Even though he plugged up this hole, yep. all the evil tunes are still sucked back in somehow. Mm-hmm. That's not how things work. But the people of Vegas become undoodled. Yeah. Neighbor daughter is distraught that Deebs is gone. Love this relationship. So deep, so well established. Like, oh man, they could have. They could have had a... I don't know how old this girl they is. They could have had a platonic relationship together. He could have taught her how to make a shiv. He could have showed her how to draw a horse. <laughs> That's what every young woman needs, is just an older man, a platonic older man, to come into her life, teach her how to draw a horse. doesn't have to be a photorealistic horse. could be stylized, but it just has to be a horse. I believe this was the plot of The Last of Us. 
Joel was taking Ellie on a trip to see a horse. So she had a model to work off of. I'm going to teach you something, Ellie. I'm going to teach you. I'll take you all the way to Colorado. We're going to see a horse. Joel, uh, Ellie possibly contains the cure, but if we operate on her, she'll forget what a horse looks like. (laughs) Oh, no! Uh, Nails cries over Frank. He wants to take Frank's body back. Uh, Nails, Corpse, Frank, and Whiskers go back to Cool World, where the typical shit is going on, except this time it's a bizarre Mexican character for no reason. Maybe Lynette is supposed to be Hispanic, like a a film noir dark lady or something, or a Western dark lady. She finds Frank's body literally tossed on their front stoop. (laughs) Yeah, like the mob wanted them to find it. Like, uh, Sonny Corleone just beating the shit out of Carlo Rizzi and just uh, leaving him on the street. Lynette cries. Nails tells Lynette that Holly did it. Lynette asks if she was a doodle when she did it. Mm-hmm. Yes, she was. Plot twist out of nowhere. Never hey, been established. Before you reveal the plot twist, I just want to say, Nail says he saved the day. And I just want to, I just, I wonder where he gets this interpretation, because from my perspective, he went to the real world and then got pushed off a building and died. (laughs) He literally had no effect on the story. And Nails also wasn't there for it because he was in a fucking pen. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is that was what I was about to bring up? Is yeah, Nils doesn't know, so he's just spreading. This is much like Sandman. It's a story about stories yeah. and the myths yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, the the tales we tell. Um, oh, I I had a Sandman joke written down on my notes that I forgot uh, at work, but it had to do. I wish I could remember the specifics. So I'll just I'll just tell you the basic premise of it because I think it's funny. You know how Sandman lapses into these like mythological stories from ages past that involve the sandman you know like fucking a woman somewhere i'm just saying i'm just saying if you made jack deems the sandman and this is his like and i would love to see the sandman as his like doodle sandman i'll do <laughs> in the doodle world and people but he's just innately from it but he's really just like there to fuck someone I would that would that. be fantastic so let's get to not the most infuriating part I already talked about the most infuriating part for me yeah. but the dumbest part of this movie mm-hmm. where it turns out that if annoyed is killed by a doodle <laughs> they become a doodle I just like why didn't they just say it? Like, you could have just said it. You're doing all this exposition dump at the beginning. Like, just fucking say it at the beginning. Sneak it in there. Sneak it like, in there. They sneak it in there, and then at the end, you know, if somebody remembers it, like, good on them. You solved the puzzle box. Brad Pitt isn't dead yet. But also, it's like, how do they know this? When has this happened before? It's... And Brad Pitt 
turns into the worst looking cartoon in the movie. <laughs> and I think like we were talking about before with neighbor daughter, they were trying to like ape a sort of 1940s style because he was mm-hmm. from the 40s, but it literally looks weird and lazy and like obviously films aren't made I don't know about animated films in sequence, mm-hmm. but it feels like they're just like whatever, we only need four lines for a face. Right. It definitely feels like they are like just trying to finish the movie. Yes. Um, I know the feeling. And the way they portray it is such a happy ending. He's like, babe, I'm a doodle now. We can walk. <laughs> is basically how the scene goes. And he's not like, oh my god. Like, uh, it doesn't matter. Like, like, what if you fucking break up with this woman? Like, this is... In a cosmically horrifying experience to yeah. wake up as this being. This and then not just to be a cartoon, but then have to live in again the violent, nightmarish mm-hmm. hellscape that is cool world that seems to exist of this one Judge Dredd-esque megacity. Yeah. I that's the that's obviously like the family style storytelling being like Frankenstein's monstered onto the horrific setting designed for a horror movie aspect mm-hmm. of it, which makes it even like more bizarre. Like there's nothing to fucking live for here. No. Like, especially if you have like human consciousness. Like I I know he's adjusted to it. But, like, how can this be a happy ending for anyone? It's literally one woman. I don't even think cartoons die unless there's a pen involved. And even then, if the pen breaks, they just seep out of it. They don't, at least not permanently, because that's something Brad Pitt mentions earlier. He's like, I don't want to go to the real world. In the real world, it hurts. You can die, and it's permanent. Right. So not only is he in this, like, new, like, transmogrified form, he is literally here for eternity. How is that not fucking horrifying? He's just like, hey, we get to live in this shitty apartment forever. Hey, I never fucked it. I haven't fucked for 60 years. Now I get to and I'm a cartoon. Like, the... This man is, like, the type of man who thinks marriage will save him and then thinks children will save his marriage. Like... This shit is gonna be eternal? God. Mm-hmm. What a nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. There should have been some sort of graduate-esque moment where they're like, just sort of like pausing and looking off into the middle distance. Mm-hmm. But then we get the real tragic ending of the movie where we get our last look at Super Deebs and Holly who have somehow become trapped in a comic book panel uh-huh. or a full comic book. It's not clear but super deebs is very excited and holly once again gets out her catchphrase and calls him a pencil dick i this is actually the one thing i like about the ending okay because i like that holly's punishment excuse me i like that holly's punishment is domesticity like having to follow through with this like uh, not that i I, I can't think of the right word, but, like, the fact that she has to, like, be in a relationship with this person and a person who is, like, even more oblivious, even more airheaded, even more, like, I'm an important masculine man. 
I find that kind of an interesting punishment, especially when the movie just kind of showed that domesticity as like the ultimate reward with Brad Pitt's character. Yeah, um, that is sort of interesting. My only thing is like, is that accidental? Is that like that's 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 always the thing is like how far are you meeting the movie? Who knows? Is we'll never know. We won't. I I go ahead. I would love to talk to anyone who worked on this movie though. Like literally anyone. Uh, Everybody's get, gotta know something. The, yeah, I wanna talk to yeah, no, I'd love to. Maybe on this I know there's a twentieth, twenty fifth edition no it would be twentieth anniversary edition blu-ray 4k whatever God, edition of this movie 30th. coming out 30th jesus yeah maybe that'll have some special feature i don't think i'll buy the movie but uh maybe it will exist i would i would buy it if it had director's commentary i'd be tempted to yeah elise is there anything else you'd like to say about the cool world i just think it's uh, a really cool movie if you're Mormon, you should watch it. I yes. just feel like it'll really work for you. Joseph um, Smith's words have never been clearer to me as when I watched Cool World. Nor more faithfully adapted. Exactly. Yeah, uh, when you uh, become, uh, you know, uh, a planet-ruling deity, or when I become a planet-ruling deity, because it's going to happen to me. I'm going to remake Cool World in my image. It's going to be <laughs> a great time, and you're all welcome to come. I can't wait. Well, uh, thank you. Next week, it's possible Billy might be back. He was supposed to be back with us tonight. I didn't mention that, but he is still gone. Uh, next week, I will be talking to Brendan Jesus, who I did uh, the original version of the show with. And we will be talking about we're all going to the World's Fair. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Elise, for being with us. Of course.